everybody. How's it going on this bright and beautiful Wednesday morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this? Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Cafe. I'm feeling the nostalgia today. We're talking about some 80s. We are. And all the while I'm eating some combos. I'm taking us way back. <laughs> I see that. Summer camp. Combos, today. the pizzeria baked pretzel the pizza ones are really the only ones for me i mean i do like the cheese ones the cheese ones are good but the pizza are the best i have to say if i'm I'm gonna rank are there others well there's are there even any other flavors of combos oh that's a good question i'll I'll find out look it up let us know (laughs) today on the show summer camp horror specifically from the 80s there was a bunch of those but i have a couple from like yeah more recent there's like I, a newish one that i dig yeah cool. yeah so we'll talk about that in a little bit but i did want to tell you all and remind kathy of course is that shark week is upon us yes it it is. like in a few moments we will be having shark week and what we do on our discord which is full of our patrons is from sunday july 24th <laughs> Capping it off on Friday, July 29th, with a premiere of The Reef Stalked, which is on Shudder. It's premiering on Shudder. It's like the, you know, The Reef, the movie The Reef. Yeah. Well, this one's The Reef Stalked. Oh. And it's premiering at the end of Shark Week. Perfect. So we'll be watching that. But there are five other days that we will be watching the shark movies. And if last year is any consolation... (laughs) last year we went big we had a hell of a good time and we always go big and then if when and if you're available you just as a patron you just drop in to whichever movies you want and we watch everything from schlock to not as schlocky because most of the shark movies are <laughs> shark of the corn the the mm-hmm. eight was it the six-headed eight, shark the six-headed shark yeah that was um very entertaining yeah there's eight or nine of them so i'm sure yeah. we'll work i'll work one into the programming yeah. at least so that's like a lot of fun. like when he walks on the sand and uses his heads <laughs> yeah. like crab feet. Yes. Crab so claws. So that's a lot of fun. Still a couple of days before it starts. We start on Sundays, uh, on Sunday, July 24th, watching them. So if you want to quick become a patron and join us for Shark Week on the Discord, please do. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, have a, I have a mug from Bones Coffee that's a shark bite mug. Nice. It's a really nice mug. They put, it, they put it out every year around this time. It's always a little bit different of a style, but they uh-huh. put it out during Shark Week. And then I also have Culprit is a boxer company for men and women, mm-hmm. and they put out really funny boxers mm-hmm. to sleep in. And I have a, sh- a Shark Week pair that like, there's like a swimmer in the shark's mouth <laughs> and it, like all these funny pictures nice. of like, yeah. So nice. they, I mean, even like all these random companies celebrate it, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. It's funny this year. Discovery channel is the one who does like quote unquote shark week, the, the shark week that we're all the aware actual, of, yeah, like the yeah. actual documentaries of sharks and stuff, which is awesome. I used to watch that all the time every year. And this year they were late in mm. announcing it. I was waiting and waiting and waiting mm-hmm. and all my little shark week peeps were like, when are we doing? shark week i'm like i'm waiting for the discovery announcement because i like to do all the horror the shark horror in the same week that they're doing the lovely documentaries of you know worshiping the shark so (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of fun we are on a uh fun episode about summer camp so i wanted to or summer summer camp horror so i wanted to bring back even a little bit more nostalgia with kevin bacon we're finishing up pride month or we're out just finishing it up. I guess we're in July. Yeah, almost. So Kevin Bacon is actually going to be starring in a campy thriller, 
that is rooted. It's a new horror film, but it's it's another Blumhouse production. It's called They Slash Them. And Bacon plays Owen Whistler, who runs Whistler Camp, a conversion camp that aims to psychologically break down LGBTQ campers. On top of the psychological breakdown, a killer seems to be stalking the grounds and claiming victims. Bacon historically hasn't had good luck with isolated summer camps in the past. When will he learn? Mm. I'm really looking forward to this and I'm interested. I think I'm imagining it's going to be somewhat of a dark comedy. Maybe Mm. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I love that they're using this concept as a horror film. And so they'll obviously be like the horror camp horror elements, but a really important theme I think is getting addressed in this around conversion camps. And I love that Kevin Bacon's playing the lead conversionist. Yeah. That'll yeah. be interesting. I just yeah. started actually following Kevin Bacon's TikTok. I love he, him it's, and it's Kira. Pretty great. Well, and he has her on sometimes. Yeah. And it's a combo of like, you know, he'll have a, he had a serious day when Roe versus Wade got overturned. You know, mm-hmm. he talked about that. And then other days he was dancing with Kira. Yeah, <laughs> other different yeah. things. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. But I wanted to talk about, share with you, Kathy and the listeners, that there are seven horror movies new horror movies that are still to come out in theaters this summer, actually. So this year we get to have a movie theater, as we all know, and have been enjoying lately. Yes, it's been a lot of (laughs) fun. Not as much as I used to, of course. I'm still getting back in the swing of it. I went to the theater last night. It was nice. Yeah, Yeah. great. So Nope is coming out July 22nd. I had heard that it got pushed. So if it got pushed by the time this airs, my apologies. But Nope is coming out. This That's the date that I see too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's been a little bit back and forth. Or maybe it was pushed before it was supposed to come out earlier than July maybe. 22nd. But that's Jordan Peele's third horror movie, writer-director. And it, it stars Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out. And I might be pronouncing his name wrong, but he reteams with Peele on the on this film. And, you know, from the trailers, it's very alien. It looks so good. And, and Glenn from Walking Dead. I know. And Kiki Palmer from Scream. Yes. I mean, yeah. there, there's some really great. It's a it's an all star cast. And I think that's going to be a great combination of humor and Jordan Peele's like amazingness. Yeah. And I don't think it'll be what you think it is no. from the trailer. I mean, mm-hmm. that's always kind yeah. of how he, he rolls, which I, I think is amazing, which expands our brains, makes us more creative to not be able to always predict. I've seen happening. the the trailer a couple times in the theater. And yeah. It's really overwhelmed. Like it, it, Looks yes. really freaky. I've seen it a couple times too, and I I imagine he will deliver in his usual style. On August fifth, there's a movie coming out called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, I I'm saw the poster to this. Guessing there'll be some bodies. Mm-hmm. The latest A twenty four because I'm a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. The latest A twenty four horror movie revolves around a party game which turns deadly for a group of affluent twenty somethings trapped inside by a hurricane ah so that's the device they're trapped inside because there's a hurricane and then you know shit happens and it looks like 20 something ladies you don't know what the hell they're doing basically it's a biting social satire with a body count Mm. (laughs) pete davidson is in it Mm -hmm. maria bakalova oh wow there's a yeah (laughs) There's a lot of names in it that I cannot pronounce. So there's lots of fabulous people. We're going to go with that. On August 19th, there's a movie called Beast. 
Idris Elba, thank you very much. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Sur- yes, yeah, so much yes. I love him so much. <laughs> Me too. Survival thriller finds Idris Elba's character on a trip to South Africa, only for him and his two teenage daughters to be hunted by a massive rogue lion intent on proving that the savanna has but one apex predator. And yes, Elba punches the lion. I saw the the trailer for this. Again, <laughs> another really overwhelming trailer to see in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big ass lion. Yeah. Okay. And then August 26th, we have The Invitation. There's an actress from the Game of Thrones, Natalie Emmanuel, stars as a woman invited by her newfound family to a lavish wedding in the English countryside where she discovers a vampire conspiracy, ladies and gentlemen. The contemporary horror thriller gives a new twist to the Brides of Dracula. Mm. I mean, that's kind of what the trailer looks that's like, cool. basically. There's some good things coming out. I know, right? So we might then, have to do a double feature. <laughs> yeah, we might have to go see some shizzle and eat a whole lot of popcorn. Mm-hmm. August 31st, we have Barbarian. Bill Skarsgård. Love it. And Georgina Campbell's star in this rental nightmare as strangers double booked in a home with a subterranean secret. Oh, no. It comes from below. I'm so sad. There's a lot more to fear than an unexpected house guest. Richard Brake and Justin Long also star. And August 31st as well, 3,000 Years of Longing. Another Idris Elba stars as a gin that offers a woman, what's that called? A Uh, A genie, a genie that grants three wishes type of thing. That's what a gin is. That offers a woman, played by Tilda Swinton, three wishes once she frees him. The scholar of mythology surprises them both with her wish. While not outright horror, expect a genre bender with supernatural creatures from director George Miller, who did Mad Max Fury Road. I'm also looking forward to that, even though it's not strict horror. Honestly, I want to see all of those. Yeah. (laughs) Usually, You're welcome. Well, usually there's a couple that I'm like, nah, I could pass. And even bodies, 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 I want to see. Yeah, I know, right. Like even the one that maybe doesn't have any stars or anything in it. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. So those are all coming to theaters this summer, you guys. So there's plenty of opportunity to go to the theater. And next, we would like to do a little thing called... <laughs> Her voice broke it like a teenage boy <clears throat> in the middle of that. No, my, my, it's been so dry. Yes, totally. I've been on nasal spray and Claritin. Oh, no. Well, part of that was... That's the serious shit right well, there. I, we moved, and so dust... Oh, my gosh. I'm so allergic to dust. I had vertigo for like a day just from all the crap (laughs) stuck in my head. Of course you did. I I get it all the time because I have inner ear stuff. I know. And it's it's horrible. I had it for like four hours and I'm like, God, this better go away before I teach or or I'm going to be like falling over. Just like on the floor. Yeah. So I took, mine's never like terror. Like some people have it really bad. Mine is just enough. Where you can't stand up. Yeah. Mine's enough where the room kind of spins. Okay. But I'll tell you what, guys, if you ever get it, and if it's like sinus related, a Claritin D or a Claritin will knock that crap right out. That's awesome. Okay, are you ready? I am. Unless you want to continue to talk about my sinuses. I'm okay with that. Okay. No, I think right. we covered that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> who was the voice of Gizmo in Gremlins? Ah, okay. I love Gizmo. Number two. The reverberation of what event was said to have impacted 
the theme of 70s horror. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Number three. On the set of The Exorcist, director William Friedkin would have the prop man randomly do this to surprise actors. I spelled D- do, D-U-E. <laughs> I wasn't tired at all. You were, weren't grading papers. It's do. Number four. H.R. Geiger was responsible for all of the creature designs in Alien. What did he incorporate into the head of the alien? Like, what did he use? Okay. Like a substance? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, gotcha. Some object, substance, whatever. Yeah. Number five. Brian De Palma renamed Stephen King's high school in the movie Carrie to reference a Hitchcock film location. Is it A, Bates High School from Psycho, D, Bodega High School from The Birds, or three, Cypress Point <laughs> High School from you Vertigo. You just said A. You just said one, D, oh. three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me do it this way. Bates High School, Bodega High School, mm-hmm. or Cypress Point High School. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> right on. Thank you so much. I might get, I don't know, a half a one of or, those. Well, okay. I'm going to try. I'm going to try, though. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Thank you so much. We will be right back with some summer camp fabulousness. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We are back. Summer camp. Summer camp. Make me feel fun. <laughs> Going through the jasmine in my mind. Summer Breeze has been on a lot lately. Has it? Yes. Because <laughs> sometimes to the I listen regular to regular radio, but yacht, I'm going to throw it on. Yacht Rock Radio on oh, Sirius. Yeah. Really? They, yacht Rock Radio is amazing. It has like all the. It's <laughs> an awful name. It, 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 it's all on purpose, too. They, the guy that does the voice is like, Yacht Rock Radio. <laughs> So pretentious. It's totally, you picture like the yuppie with the sweater. And it's like Christopher Cross's, you know, station basically. Yeah, all that stuff is on there. It's so amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. So I, you know, I picked this. You did for this week you just did. because it is summer camp. It. <laughs> um, but also, you know, it is its own genre within a slasher genre. Absolutely. And I was looking up some articles and just putting together some thoughts about like, why did this even become a genre and sure. wh- why was it so big in the eighties? So why is it a thing, Kathy? Well, I mean, let's take a look. So summer camp horror movies, the way that I put this together 
based on just watching them myself and looking up some of the articles that talked about it. It's they're really about taking something fun, nostalgic and independent to a kid. Like, you know, a kid is independent at camp most of the time, other than the counselors. They're away from parents, they're away, and turning it into their worst nightmare. So in many ways, it's the art of perverting a very sacred place for someone who's young or youth. Um, and to add insult to injury, justifying the killings based on their deviation from purity. So we see that not so much the campers are, uh, in most of the films, the campers aren't having sex, but the counselors are, or they're doing something while they're leaving the kids unattended and sure. kids will die, you know. So, and then, you know, there's the adolescent piece, which that's more so the, the campers. So adolescents can relate to the poor decision-making, poor impulse control, and that need for instant gratification, which doesn't allow them to stick with their duties. They're off doing something stupid. So <laughs> whether we watch these films as teens or adults, I think there's a level of relatability and all of us were once that age and horror films are a way of emphasizing how it may feel impossible to make it out of adolescence alive. So I think that there's, there's double meanings in these films, but you know, you add the blood and the guts and all that. And it, you know, on the surface, it makes it a horror film, but we know, and they, they do this in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, and other shows where it really is a metaphor for adolescence being this really, really dangerous or seemingly dangerous and risky time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I know I watched Sleepaway Camp. I mean, that's yeah, standard yeah. <laughs> for this time of year. And I love Felissa Rose. You know, Felissa Rose does a lot of for the horror community. She has a great Twitter feed. She's of the fans. She's always at the events. She, she does a ton of stuff. She does a lot, a lot of movies, like bit parts in movies constantly. She just seems to, I don't know her, but... It just seems to that she loves the genre. She loves horror. She loves the career that she's built. And she just continues to do, to like be in this lane of like be horror movies. Yeah. Now, this was, of course, her catapult to mm -hmm. stardom as, as it should be. The movie is, you know, I mean, it's delightful. <laughs> it is delightful. 1983, strict horror film, sleepaway camp. I mean, if for some reason you aren't into horror and you haven't seen it it's 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 a very standard teen slasher but it elevates some social commentary a little bit of the time not particularly well thought out necessarily mm -hmm. but it's got that john waters feel to totally it, you know of the era bunks and the showers are mad stabbers beat at a summer camp strictly for teens is basically it. it's just mm -hmm. a summer slasher and some of the kills are good one of my the kills are great <laughs> one of my favorites is the the beehive in the stall oh my bathroom God. stall <laughs> and he's just like flailing around in there and he can't get away from the bees <laughs> the story though it is like you know it is um sad and there's a lot yeah. of uh there, yeah. there's a lot of social commentary around how it was done really poorly and and how sure. it, it makes you know certain communities look in light of today yeah it's it doesn't it doesn't hold up in the cultural climate but honestly if you just take it as a yeah but even i would even that's how it, it was intended i would even take it um a step further by stating like it wasn't so much that the, her character 
what I'm going to give this away because it's an old movie, folks. Okay, mm-hmm. that the the character was a transgender character. It was more so that what happened to her was the revenge was because of trauma, not because she happened to be a certain part of the community, which really was against her choice. I well, mean, she, well, right, and that that's what the ending gives away. I mean, yeah, it, it was of course shock value, and sure. of course it's a very famous scene. And if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen the meme because yeah, like, it's very famous. But yeah, I mean, that's what that ending gives you. And totally. that's part of why it's so shocking is that, right. that you realize, oh shit, there right. was like a, a reason. And there, I mean, I think that there are times uh, where it's a, it's appropriate to be like offended by something or that wasn't done well. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't think that's what this was. This was not a trans film. It was not trying to make the trans. It was about someone who had been forced to live against who they were with a psychotic, abusive mother. Mm-hmm. And that would be anyone straight, binary, non-binary, anyone. Cis, anyone. But like you said, it's a horror film. We had to have shock value. And I thought that it fucking worked. Oh, yeah. It really worked and especially worked at the in the time. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw it was not back in 1983 mm-hmm. or whatever it was in the last i don't know five years or so i mean yeah. i'm i have a lot of gaps in my horror watching from the past as as most horror watchers do sure. i mean if you unless you spend a few years like we have really trying to get up on all of the you know milestones yeah. and the very famous ones i mean before we were doing this i had a lot of gaps and i probably still have some but this was one that i hadn't seen and so I actually managed to not know the ending. So I had a pretty pure experience. It was a nostalgia experience because it was an 80s movie. But I definitely was surprised by the end. I got to have that reaction, which most people don't nowadays because mm-hmm. it's it's spoiled and it and, and you, can, you know yeah. you, you know what it is. Exactly. <laughs> and as soon as you Google it, it's there. But that's only part of this movie because you do watch fun gore and fun oh, kills and fun slashes. Kills. And these awful scenes with her and her mother, very mommy dearest totally. type of thing. So you also get that. So I do believe it's it's the best of the Sleepaway Camp movies. The mom is so... Because there's more than one, her guys. Voice, her voice is terrible. She's like, what do you think about... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, she's so creepy. She's so awful. Now, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. That would not be so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And she's yeah, so... the pictures of her are crazy. Oh, she wears. God. She actually wears like red, white, and blue. She like looks this like little... a pan. Am flight attendant <laughs> exactly she's well she's interested in perfection yeah she was terrifying and at the time a flight attendant from pan am would have been the picture of that's correct perfection in our culture i have i know we're going to talk about the burning but i have yeah. a quick article that i wanted Please. to just give a little bit on so this this article is by uh whitney freelander from october 18 2021 it's called taking a stab at understanding the stupid teens horror trope she Fun. goes on to talk about, well, there's, there are a couple different authors that she references in this article. And I just took out just a couple chunks because it was a longer article. So I'll just read some of what I put here. She says, so why were these so big in the 80s? According to Alison Pierce or Purse, the author of Women Make Horror, Filmmakers, Feminism, Genre, and an associate professor at the University of Leeds Film and Media Department says that when we saw morality tropes of 1980s America conservative climate, 
that promoted the message that if you have sex in horror films, you will die. If you sneak out late at night, if you don't do your homework, if you take drugs, you will die. James Kendrick, a professor in Baylor University's film and digital media department who teaches on cult and horror films, recognizes that much of the 50s were based on sci-fi and more adult-themed horror. This changed in the 80s. Kendrick says that part of why these films were so popular with suburban teenagers is because they always take place in recognizable locations like suburban neighborhoods and homes and summer camps. This is completely diametrically opposite to classic horror films, he says. They're always in Transylvania and some scary castle, and if you just stay away from those places, you are fine. Summer holds an annual tradition of horror films by using camp as the obvious setting of revenge from some deranged killer who likely had a personal attachment to that camp when he was a boy. The reckless counselors are punished for neglecting the campers for sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Most of the killers have some trauma, some form of disfigurement, or are barbaric and primitive to some degree, which dehumanizes them. Their backstory is told throughout the film in various ways. Sometimes it becomes an urban legend of the camp, which we're going to talk about, or told in flashbacks through the killer's lens. Camp slashers are fun because the weapons of destruction, this, this is, I said this, camp slashers are fun because the weapons of destruction are organically placed, machetes, axes, boiling water, skewers, and more. When these items go missing, we know there is a killer right around the corner. There's no guns. There's no bombs. Everything yeah. that's there to kill them is actually part of the camp. Yeah. And, and I love this part of the article. Very true. Even Very though- analog. Yeah, and very much I knew that, you know, this was true, but when he brought this to light, the idea that suburban neighborhoods and summer camps were really big in the 80s and it did bring horror into your home. And that was a huge, we're used to that now, but that was a huge shift from the 50s, 60s, even somewhat 70s horror. Absolutely. Super fun. Yeah. The burning. The burning. Yeah, we watched this together. Jason Alexander with hair. With some friends in our Discord, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the burning 1981. Strict horror as well. At summer camp. Had, some, had you seen this before? Yeah. Yeah. At summer camp, some teenagers pull a prank on the camp's caretaker. Cropsy. <laughs> Cropsy. We'll get into the Cropsy legend in a moment. That's what it's inspired by. But the joke goes terribly wrong and the teens leave Cropsy for dead after setting him on fire. But no one keeps Cropsy down. A few years later, the burned and disfigured caretaker returns to the camp equipped with his trusty shears, ready to unleash his particular brand of vengeance on a whole new group of teens. The murderous Cropsy stalks the campers in the woods one by one. Ah, yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite. No. Uh, summer There's movie. There's some, good, kill, camp some movie. good kills in it. I mean, I like the Friday the 13th camp movies. and Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy watching it with others, though. It was mm-hmm. a lot. It was kind of a lot of funner. Why did you pick it? What was your thought about this? It just happens to be one of the top, like, um, oh yeah summer, on every list yeah and, and every list and it's a classic I don't know every, anytime I watch the documentaries that are made for Shudder uh, that that go through all of the history of horror the burning is always like at the top and I'm just like we we can't do this episode without at least watching it and talking about it no no it's certainly considered a classic right? it's yeah it's not one of my favorites um, I think there's some really good kills and again i think it's just hilarious to watch jason alexander as like young and somewhat of a nerd 
in this camp, but um, he always plays a nerd. <laughs> he always plays a nerd, but, but he's he, young and he has hair. He is young with hair. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, it's just, I think it's one of the movies that were a springboard to the, to the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Fisher Stevens is in it too. Yeah. There's yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. It was a Weinstein movie back in the it day. It was a Weinstein um, movie. A million years ago. I uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Cropsey, the le- the legend of Cropsey. So as the story goes, Cropsey is rumored to be a homicidal madman, an escaped mental patient, of course, with a hook of for co- a hand. Of course. Of course. Because people with mental issues become murderers. That's correct. Yeah. Not. So... An escaped mental patient with a hook for a hand who hunted children and dragged them back to the tunnel system that lay under the abandoned ruins of the old Seaview Hospital, a former tuberculosis sanitarium. It's a it's a New York urban legend. So like a lot of New York kids, I don't know if they still do, but back in the day. You know, this was the boogeyman of Staten Island in New York City was Cropsy. And because, you know, children were taught that there was a murderer who would kidnap them and take them into the tunnel system and and kill them. Because a lot of New Yorkers would try to get, you know, kids would get out of the city and go to summer camps. Mm-hmm. They were, it's, it was a big thing. And, you know, in 1987, the residents of Staten Island were rocked by the Cropsy legend becoming a real story with Andre Rand was unmasked as the real Cropsy killer. So there's a lot going on there. We could probably do a whole episode on Cropsy real and imagined, you know, (laughs) legend and real type of thing. But that is, you know, the burning is just one summer camp variation on this story and there a legend yeah. yeah and there have been others of course and then there's the the cropsy killer which was andre rand who worked as a janitor at the willowbrook state school on staten island and that was a place uh, whose name alone has the power to frighten adults and children alike just because of the, the institution was built as a respite for children with intellectual disabilities and so depending on what time in our history, that wouldn't have been a necessarily pleasant place to be. Mm. I think we have a lot more controls around where we put children with intellectual disabilities uh, now. Yeah. yeah, And that was not the case then. It was revealed to be a living hell in the 1970s, although authorities wouldn't close the school actually until 1987. So not a, not a good place to go. But the children there had been subjected um, to sexual abuse, corporal punishment, and overcrowding in unsanitary conditions. Mm. And there's been documentaries done on this, and, and it's it's very unpleasant to mm. witness and look at and very uncomfortable. But I also think it's an important thing to look at right. and be mindful of because we don't ever want that to be the case again or if that is happening in any part of our country or any other country, would you know that needs to stop and right. should be advocated against. It was also home to what has been called one of the most unethical medical experiments on children in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the name of hepatitis research, medical staff intentionally injected healthy children with the virus, Mm. many of whom, of course, became severely ill as a result. So they were doing live human studies on these children because there's no oversight. Right. Obviously, no one was checking in. They were children with intellectual disabilities, which are prejudiced against all the time still to this day but even worse then so the public wasn't aware of the conditions inside the school 
given that many of the children inside had sadly been abandoned by their parents. So it was a lot of kids in the foster care system and leading, you know, just like I said, no little accountability. But in 1972, actually, a young Geraldo Rivera published oh an expose that revealed the horrific conditions inside that state school. And then that's when we sort of understood that it was a national scandal, et cetera. The school was officially closed 15 years later. Wow. So they operated for quite some time oh my God. under that negative publicity in which of course contributed to the passage of the federal civil rights legislation that protects the mentally disabled to this day. Um, that same year, Andre Rand, the former janitor of the School of Horrors, was arrested in connection with the disappearance of a 12-year-old girl with Down syndrome. So at that time, Rand was homeless and living in a makeshift campsite on the grounds of the abandoned schools. So that's where the sort of camp situation mm. comes in, not far from the ruinous Seaview Hospital that was so closely tied to the Cropsey legend. So it was all in that same area. So they just kind of got tied together and he ended up being called the Cropsey Killer. And over a month after this young girl's disappearance, they found her body in a shallow grave on the school grounds where this drifter had been living. And then he was charged with murder. And then there's more and more and more to the story. But that gives you a little bit of idea of like why the burning or any of these kind of Cropsey summer camp type killer movies would be that's the real Cropsey killer. And then there's this legend about the boogeyman that drags you into the tunnels. So that's creepy as hell. Right, man. Yeah. Thought I'd throw the urban legend thanks, in there. Thanks for just throwing a heavy wet blanket. on. <laughs> you have to know where it comes from, man. That's what the burning is based on. I know. <laughs> what else? What other, did you watch some other summer camp movies? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's Madman, which is a classic. Um, mm -hmm. the other one that I watched though, that was newish was 2015 summer camp. Have oh, you seen this that? one? Uh -uh. I saw it on the list. Yeah, but I didn't it's get to different. It. So four American counselors at a European summer camp must deal with the outbreak of a rage inducing plague that starts in the animals. You know, there's some really good jump scares in yeah. this movie. Okay. And uh, her, what's her name? Jocelyn. No, is it Jocelyn Donahue? Who's the one that was in off season? Mm, I don't know. She is one of the leads in this. It's a good cast. Um, cool. it, it's done a lot different than most summer camp horror films in the sense that it like does actually take itself pretty seriously. And, and, you know, it's also this jab at Americans that go over and do mm -hmm. stupid shit thinking they know everything mm -hmm. and getting themselves involved. And they're, they're basically uh, the, the counselors that get there before the kids get to the camp and they're starting to get the camp ready. And the very beginning of the film, one of the counselors, he's like training to be, um, he's in school to become a veterinarian and they tell him to not go into this area where they think that one of the dogs, cause they have like a petting zoo that they're getting ready for the kids sure. that one of the dogs is rabid. And he's like, I can tell he's not rabid. He's not aggressive, whatever he goes in there and within a matter of like 30 seconds this dog is attacking him but he's not rabid there's something else going on and oh. he's the first to be bit um and then it kind of just goes from there so mm -hmm. it it's it was actually pretty entertaining i mean the characters you love and hate them all at once yeah <laughs> that's always kind of fun when so, you're kind of warring with yourself you're yeah. like oh 
So it's it's kind of a mixed bag, but I, I dug it. For being like a summer camp film, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah. You know, I always have to mention Bloody Bloody Bible Camp. Oh, I remember when you talked about it. And I went and watched it. My dumb <laughs> it ass like watched it after. years ago when we talked so about Shannon, it. So Shannon, I'm going to have you talk about this, but Shannon <laughs> talked about this a couple of years ago on an episode. I'm like, oh God, now I'm going to have to go watch it. And I watched and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's why you have to watch I it. I know. It's terrible. It's awful. Ron Jeremy's in it. I mean, oh, you know, come on. <laughs> so it's comedy horror, but I don't know. It's just the worst slop you've ever seen in your life. But for whatever reason, it's so over the top and it crosses so many lines that it just makes me laugh. So it's called Bloody Bloody Bible Camp. Backsliding Christians return to the place where seven years Backsliding earlier. Backsliding Christians. A crazy nun, played by Tim Sullivan, the crazy nun. Yeah, that's mean, right. Just I take remember- a moment to oh remember the crazy nun. The blood made, all over him. He <laughs> made campers pay for their sins with blood. It's definitely a comedy. Don't take it seriously, please. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's over the top and it totally crosses all the lines, like I said. But I, I, I can't. If, for those of you who likes just trash horror. I can't recommend it enough because it's really bad. It's but it's horrible. But I laugh so no, hard. It's funny. I mean, you have to go into it saying this is going to be the worst slop I've ever seen and then just like your eyes wide and laughing. Ron, you said it. Ron Jer- Jeremy's in it. It's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that bad. The end. And there's a like a, a trans nun. I don't remember. I just remember. I just remember <laughs> the nun. Not it's so epic. No, because I couldn't kidding. even I'm, tell what I was watching. I'm kidding. She's watched a lot of slop since then. I have. I think if you watch it now, you would understand. Maybe. I think at that point you're like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. But now you know. There's this whole subgenre of really bad horror that's really fun. Anyway, I always like to throw that one in. Just saying, it's a good one. Yeah. I hope we've given you some ideas about some summer camp movies to watch. There are so many. All you have to freaking Google is the summer camp horror trope online, and there are lists and lists and lists. And, of course, there's ones that are always going to come up, Friday the 13th and Mad Men, and we've mentioned some. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We will be right back. We are going to talk about some movies, TVs, and books that we've been reading. everybody let's talk books movies television we wanted to mention we just finished in our book club that is a part of our discord the last house on needless street some of you might have read this i know that katriana i believe is how it's pronounced katriana ward i know she has another book out so I'm curious to read that now because we read this and and really enjoyed it kathy and i really enjoyed it yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to read the uh, this, the little blurb, sure. whatever, so that you guys know what it's about. So it's The Last House on Needless Street. This is a story of a serial killer, a stolen child, revenge, death, and an ordinary house at the end of an ordinary street. 
All these things are true, and yet they are all lies. You think you know what's inside the last house on Needless Street? You think you've read this story before? That's where you're wrong. So I shared this. I think a lot of us at the beginning were also thinking similar things. We're like, where is this going? Yeah, yeah. I would say that first 25% of the book, you you just keep reading. You keep reading. And so if you do... you don't know what's going on. <laughs> if you do end up reading the book, it is certainly worth it it does take a minute but all all of what happens in the beginning is incredibly intentional I mean there are books where sometimes you're like okay the beginning kind of sucked I'm not really sure why it started that way this is all very intentional so if you can just know that going into it yeah definitely great advice and once it it does pick up and the story really kicks in I was very impressed with how what she did with this book. You bet. I, I We are not going to spoil this book for you because we would like you all to go out and read it. It's a good one. I think it's a great addition to the serial killer genre, the mm. horror genre. I I really enjoyed it and I totally agree. I just was, I, I had a trouble following it in the beginning. It was, mm. it's definitely one of those books that if it didn't have such insanely good reviews, you might, you might go like, eh, yeah, I can't do it. But mm-hmm. but hold on. It it's really good. I liked the way it was written. I liked the voices of the characters. I really admire what she did. Oh you know, gosh. I really admire the uniqueness and mm-hmm. the mind the mind journey you go on mm-hmm. in this and uh so again, we're not going to spoil it, but we definitely recommend it. It was a great read. And then I'll just say that there's an afterword that's only a few pages long. And she even says, don't read this if you haven't finished the book. But mm-hmm. after reading it, I just had even more respect for her as an author, knowing the amount of work that she put. Yeah, into the book, some of the so. things that she says in yeah. the afterword are excellent. So a recommend from us. Perhaps. Oh, let's talk about Stranger Things as well. So good. <laughs> Setting us up for season five. Seriously. Yeah. In the last little bit of there, they definitely set us up. So again, not going to spoil this as well. But what I loved about season four of The Stranger Things is I think it's my favorite season since season one. Okay. Fair. And the reason is for that, for me, is that there were so many horror elements mm-hmm. employed so I can guarantee you horror fans are going to love this season. There's lots of horror in it. Mm-hmm. I also loved what they did. Oh, God, what's his character? The guy who goes to Russia. <laughs> oh, um, you oh know, my gosh. The love interest of Winona Ryder, whose name I forget. But I loved what they did with that. I loved how there were, there's always several stories you're following, but they all make sense. And you, I don't, I don't. Go like, oh, they're cutting to that story. You know how you do in either books or series where you're like, oh, there's that B story that's going on. I don't really want to, you know, I'd rather be following the kids or I'd rather be. Fo- I don't I like all the storylines in this. Yeah. And there there's a, there is a lot going on. Several. Um, Jim uh, <laughs> Hopper. Sorry. Hopper's thank you, the character. Thank you yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hopper, I love his character. I mean, I there are so many characters that I enjoy in this now. I know. And of course, by season four, in a good show, you do expect to care about a lot of people and a lot of characters. I and literally care about all of them, too. I do. I do. I care about all of them as well. And it was, it was really good. So if you've 
been considering starting the Stranger Things series, I would absolutely say do it. And I'm not saying that season two and season three aren't good. They're both very good. I enjoyed the ride in all the seasons. But now that I've come to season four, I'm like, oh, so good, so good. They just took what they've been doing and built upon it and built upon it each season. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like season four delivered. The other thing you need to know about season four if you haven't started it or if you've been waiting is that each one of the nine episodes is a movie and the finale is a two hours and 20 minutes yeah for whatever reason they didn't want to have 10 episodes they wanted nine so they made nine because they could have easily had 10 or more but I will say that each one is a movie and so what uh, and it's it's smart business now what what a lot of the streamers are starting to do is make non-bingeable content. You cannot binge this and and really absorb what's going on. I mean, you can if you're a masochist and you don't like to enjoy I things. I love that they did that though. I well, but that's yeah. what they're doing. That's the trend now. It's like yeah. they don't want you just sitting down and taking their $5 million show and watching it in an afternoon and like saying what's next. Yeah. They want this and it's intentional. An hour an hour and 15 to an hour and a half to two and a half hours each episode so you really are getting a lot of content and that might have been why it was so good as well is there's Mm -hmm. just all this time there was only there was only a couple of times where i felt like okay we can kind of tighten this bit up but there was a re i could see that there was a reason Mm -hmm. why they wanted to like elongate certain Mm -hmm. moments but really good yeah yeah i agree cool i saw black phone last night tell us i will say this is the best film blumhouse has ever done that's amazing i've Um, heard really conflicting reviews i want to say it's in the my top five favorite horror films i've seen the last five years okay why it is so in first of all mason thames who plays the boy Mm. and madeline madeline mcgraw who plays his sister these two kids are going places. Oh, great. This was some of the best acting. Ethan Hawke was fucking fantastic and he was terrifying. <laughs> awesome. It was a combination of Summer of 84 and Silence of the Lambs. It, to me, it was so psychologically terrifying. Mm. And it was more of a thriller than a horror film. It took itself seriously, rightfully so, from beginning to, and I looked at my friend, my friend who's a big horror fan and a, a snob like we are when we go to see these. The lights came up, I look at her and I go, tell me that wasn't the best thing Blumhouse has ever done. She was like, holy shit, that was so good. That's so good. Um, I am raving, I don't even care about the bad reviews of this film. I walked out of there. I went in thinking this was going to be like, oh, this will be a fun horror film. Oh. I was I'm obsessed with it. It was that it, I'm really impressed to me. This was their turning point. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they knock it out of the park. This was like, I've seen almost everything that they've done mm-hmm. their big stuff anyway. And I was like, wow, they really took themselves seriously because they, you know, they do the happy deaths days. And yeah, they do yeah, all yeah. The, this was, which they do really well sometimes. Right. They, they ruin the, I mean, they didn't ruin, but they shouldn't have done the Halloween franchise. That was, that's, I don't think that should have been theirs, but this, this yeah. is so incredibly atmospheric. Even the, the grainy lens that they use at times because it takes place in 1978. So, no cell phones, no cameras, children being abducted, children being on milk cartons, 
the spiritual and sort of like supernatural connection, one of the boys who gets abducted and the other victims, I don't want to give too much away, but you do know from the trailer that the black phone represents the other kids who have died that are speaking to him. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, man. They just, I think they knocked this out of the park. Great. Yeah. That's a glowing recommendation. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, it takes a lot for me to be that excited about a horror film. And Ethan Hawke was so flipping creepy in this. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I look forward it to has, it. It also, it has like a little bit of a sinister feel in it too. Which I love. Yeah. That's great. I think you're going to like, because, you know, we're so used to seeing him kind of play the nice guy. Yeah. And he is so far from that in this. I've been seeing him do a lot of kind of variation in his roles in the last couple of years of things that have been coming out. Yeah. So, and I love that for him. Ooh, because yeah. he's a good actor. I love he that for was him. So great. But I'll tell you what, those two kids, Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw, they are going to go places. And this little girl, she's going to break outside the horror genre. Her performance, and there's some trigger warnings around child abuse and things. Just, sure. You know, it's the 70s, right? Jeremy Davies plays the father, and he, um, they lost the mother. I'm not going to tell you how, a couple years before. So he, you know, becomes an alcoholic and, um, is raising these two kids in the seventies by himself, you know, and dads, dads didn't do motherly things at that time. And so there's so much of a, it really pulls like all the emotions, this film, it is just so much bigger than a horror film. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm always going to watch it anyway, no matter yeah. what other people said. But <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I, what what have you heard? Just out of curiosity, some of uh, the opposing just people saying it's not their thing, and mm. they just didn't attach to it. They didn't wow. like it very much. That's so interesting. So, yeah, okay. no, I mean, I'll but, be I'll be curious to hear what you think. Well, in most most films that that go in a particular direction and and make a particular statement and and really take themselves seriously and go towards something you know really commit to something are going to be very divisive that's true so you almost think that if someone hated it or or really didn't like it then that's also a win because you you know yeah oh yeah you know you executed a very specific thing and when you execute a very specific thing there's always going to be people that are like ick that's right ain't no likey that's right so I just wonder if that'll be a popular or an unpopular opinion that you have. You know what I mean? Like True, I wonder yeah. I wonder which which side that'll be on. Like if most people are gonna end up not liking it or the most people do. Also, I don't know expectations from A twenty four or you know, I don't know, maybe I, and I don't know people. if it just because it did advertise itself like this horror f- that I think maybe I certainly thought I was going to, in to watch a very different film. Yeah, maybe maybe people don't some people don't like it when the you know, maybe they weren't pleasantly surprised by yeah. what it is. I don't know. I don't know. But sounds good. I watched uh, a new movie as well uh, called Crimes of the Future. It's with uh, Viggo Mortensen. Mm, I like him. Kristen Stewart's also in it. As the human species adapts to a synthetic environment. This is a David Cronenberg. So take that moment with that written Mm, and directed. Uh, Anyway, the human species adapts to a synthetic environment. The body undergoes new transformations and mutations with his partner Caprice... Saul Tenser, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in an avant-garde performance. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yes. I'll I'll explain in a moment. (laughs) Tim Lynn, who's played by Kristen Stewart, an investigator from the National Organ Registry, (laughs) obsessively tracks their movements, which is when a mysterious group is revealed, their mission to use Saul's notoriety to shed light on the next phase of human evolution. I won't 
spoil it. Not that I really could. This was not a movie that I enjoyed. <laughs> I, I I do tend to like David Cronenberg movies, yeah. so it's not really about it's not really about that. I okay. it's like I lost consciousness somewhere in the middle. I had a very hard mm. time continuing to watch it, even though I'm also a very big fan of Egos. Yeah, I so I was really surprised by this. There are some things that are wonderful in it. Obviously, there's a lot of kind of sci-fi ideas there, and there is gore in the sense that they use these little machines, these little robots and machines. It's a stylized environment in the future to do these surgeries on him, and he like lays in this pod. And then the pod opens and these little things come in and, and open him up and surgically sew him back together and all this. I mean, that's kind of a fascinating idea. And, and what I just read sounds like a fascinating idea if you're into sci-fi and things of that nature. What what I found was is that most of the characters, not, not so much Vigo, but the other characters, have this very affected way of talking. Kristen mm. Stewart's doing this kind of strange rapid speech kind of i don't know it just seemed a little bit forced the character okay that she created there i didn't quite jive it took me a really long time to get used to what she was doing and then there is this idea of when they're opening you up organ wise and cutting you and slashing you and bleeding you and all of this in this world that is associated with pleasure so it's 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 an interesting I'll be really interested to see the writings on this movie and I may try to watch it again in the future. It's 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 possible that my mood just wasn't ready okay. <laughs> for it. Because I, I think it's inter- really interesting to play with how affect doesn't have to be what we think affect is sure. gonna be, right? But it's off putting it's like there's some sex scenes and stuff and the sex scenes include these little robots like cutting them up and mm-hmm. doing that and and you see these like ecstasy faces from the surgeries and it's very tied like the mm. the, the sex is the sexy feelings are tied to pain in a way now that would be normally interesting to me that sounds like hmm, interesting Okay, what's that all about? Fascinating. But I got so bored. Yeah, that sucks. Like they had this great great concept. I mean, all of that sounds like, wow, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's off the beaten path. Like, what's that about? Well, very Cronenberg, right? Yeah. Uh, And Vigo and Kristen Stewart, you know. And then I just, oh, I got so bored. That sucks. So, like I said, going to try again. Okay. But, yeah, no, it didn't. It's not getting good reviews. She wants to like it, folks. I really do. Mm. I really do. But I may not. I just may not. I mean, I don't right now. I don't recommend it at all right now. Um, And then I went and read reviews, and I guess that's what people are kind of... I don't know what they're actually saying about it, uh, but it's not getting the best critical acclaim. What else? I can kind of see why. We can can talk about this one together, because I know you guys watched it. I had already watched it, but uh, the uh, revealer... That came out on Shutter okay. this week. Uh, tensions rise when a stripper and religious protester are trapped together in a peep show booth and must come together to survive the apocalypse in 1980s Chicago. This was uh, like I—I I, I mean, there was so much dark humor in this film. I thought that the the banter between the two women leads w- was great. Mm-hmm. I think some of the horror 
was really great. Mm-hmm. The movie as a whole was okay. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of about expectations, right? It's a 2022 horror movie. It was a Shudder original. It's low budget, obviously. I mean, not so low budget that we're, you know doing the bad cgi or anything but no, some it, of the horror was actually really good in no it, but thought. it's pretty low budget in the sense that it's basically two to three people in a in a room like yeah you, you don't have to have a lot of locations right. and all that so they didn't spend a lot of money on that but yeah no i like the main two characters i thought they did some interesting things with it like mm-hmm. that were not your stereotypical things that you would see in this yeah and they also did stereotypical things but uh, there were a few moments that I thought were like, oh, okay, they're they're trying to go a little bit farther in this. I I thought it was just okay. Like, yeah. I can't I can't say that it was a bad watch though. I I would say it's worth a watch. Yeah, and then you make your own opinion. It's not one of those ones I think where either one of us are saying like, don't bother. Because <laughs> no, we do I, that sometimes. I think what th- they may have banked on was you know you have this polarity between the stripper and the religious protester right so these are like really uh, in 1980s chicago in 1980s chicago so right out the gate this is a really cool dynamic between the two of them Mm -hmm. but for me that dialogue ran out oh yeah 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 you know it's like there's only so much banter between those polarities that can be fun and then it's like okay we're now back to where we were 20 minutes ago and and yeah the so same, like yeah yeah so that's kind of that. what i felt it's like the bit. first half of the movie you're kind of on the road with them yeah like i love the opening scene and yeah and then some of the different things there was some there were some things that actually happened and there is horror there are horror elements yeah there's there. some good horror elements and so that's fun and then there was a particular time where i sort of stopped and i think you're right it, you know there was this point where i'm like okay i think we've kind of run it's run its course run its course it's not that i wouldn't continue watching or think that it wasn't fine and and i didn't mind the ending i mean it was fine it, it was, was just fine. kind of like fine it was fine worth a watch but i'm not going to watch it again you and I watched All About Evil together. Oh, my God. And I have seen this movie. I programmed it. It was a movie that I want. I saw. So All About Evil, let me just tell you, this is the first time it's been on video on demand, really. I had and never seen it. Yeah, a lot of people have it. It's a 2010 comedy horror with Natasha Lyonne and Peaches Christ, her uh, her oh, first God, um, <laughs> her first movie, I think. I'm but, surprised I hadn't seen it because I love Natasha Lyonne. Yeah, it's got a John Waters. I've said John Waters' name a couple times on this episode. It does have a John Waters feel. It's got a John though. Waters thing going on. It's just got that feel. It's uh, gory and funny, and she's amazing, Natasha. And <laughs> all of the actors are amazing, and it's low budget. But, you know, it's from 2010, but this is the first time it's really been on video demand. And they also did a they remastered this copy. So Shudder has got this movie. I think it was last month they got it, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> the 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 premise is that a that a woman inherits an old movie house, and she's kind of like a mousy woman. This is like Natasha Leone. She's kind of mousy and been through a lot of trauma, and she starts to make a series of these grisly short films uh, after a series of events, and 
I'll just not ruin it from there. It is so worth a watch. Some of the descriptions kind of ruin what happens. And I realize it's a 12-year-old film, but because it's only just now gotten released on streaming, I feel like I don't want to ruin it. Cassandra Peterson is in it, so Elvira is in it. Yeah, it's so good. That's right, Elvira (laughs) plays the mom. Yeah, Elvira's in it. Um, Peaches Christ Peaches Christ. I mean, (laughs) it's like Roger Corman, John Waters. It's got that feel, only it's 2010, and I don't know. That's it's pretty it, slick and and everyone enjoyed the watch yeah, so that was it, cool. It was a good one. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so now, oh, <laughs> we go back. We need to have a few answers to a few questions. <laughs> Number one, who is the voice of Gizmo in Gremlins? So what year is Gremlins? Like eighty four ish. 84, 86, 84, I think. Gosh, probably some comedian, but uh-huh. I'm sorry, I have no idea. Uh, Howie Mandel. Oh, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. 84, I was right. Oh my gosh, I totally guessed. Um, <laughs> Did you guess? Oh, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Okay. Number two, the reverberation of what event was said to have impacted uh, the theme of 70s horror? So and obviously like a cultural event that mm-hmm. happened before the 70s. I don't know. Was it like the Manson murders or something? The Vietnam War. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So in fact, Tom Savini talks about this quite a bit. And he talks about how he being a, a soldier in the war, one of the reasons he was called to do makeup was because he knew exactly how to recreate what he had seen. So real life horror, bloodshed, reflecting widespread feelings of anxiety and fear for the future. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so then we had a lot of horror movies that were reflecting And that, torture porn that and all of that. Yeah. Number three. On the set of The Exorcist, director William Friedkin would have the prop man randomly do this to surprise actors. I think it was like shoot off a prop gun. Yeah, fire yeah. shotgun blanks. What an asshole. Yeah, I, I knew that one. Yeah, no, they. I mean, the actors talk a lot about being tortured on that mm-hmm. movie. Number four, H.R. Geiger was responsible for all of the creature designs in Alien. What did he incorporate into the head of the alien? Um... I think it's the shape of it. Hmm. The shape of the head of the xenomorph? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I think about mechanics, like some kind of mechanical thing. It was actually a real human skull. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Brian De Palma renamed Stephen King's high school in the movie Carrie to reference a Hitchcock film location. Was it Bates, Bodega, or Cypress Point? Cypress Point? It was Bates High School from oh. Psycho. I, think I thought it, that was too obvious. I think in the book it was like <laughs> Ewan High School or something okay. like that. I thought that yeah. was way too obvious. I'm like, it'll be Bates. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> but it was. It was. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the show, everyone. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. 